Hello, and thank you for listening to Girl Wonder. My name is Joe Rochelle, and I'm just your everyday girl talking about your favorite webtoons. If you find yourself reading webtoons all the time and you are still craving more content, then you are absolutely in the right place. And just in case you didn't know, you can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you choose to listen on. In this episode, we are talking about Sub-Zero episodes 74, 75, 76, and 77, all created by the wonderful Juniper. Speaking of Juniper, a great way to support this artist is by going to her Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Juniper. That's per with three R's. And you can find the link to that in the description box of this podcast episode. Patreon is such a great way to support the creators that are putting out this content for you, especially on a weekly schedule. I know how much time and effort and hard work and just how many consistent hours it takes to put out a Webtoon episode. And if you are able to, it would be amazing if you could run over to Patreon and support Juniper. There are tons of levels like $1 a month or $5 a month. If you're feeling fancy, if you're feeling like you have a little bit more to spare, you can choose what works for you and be treated with sneak peeks of upcoming chapters and I believe Juniper has over 420 exclusive Patreon posts. So if you're able to, that's a great way to support a creator that you respect, admire, and love reading their work. In this podcast episode, you will be hearing my voice and the voices of three of my patrons. You will hear from Phoebe, from Patty, and from Julie. So thank you guys so much for lending your voice to this podcast episode. And if you're interested in becoming one of my patrons at any level, the link to join is in the description box of this podcast episode. And before we start, our top cities who have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Harleysville, Seattle, Sacramento, Union City, Chicago, Minneapolis, Toronto, and Sherwood Park. Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, let's get into it. Sub-Zero Episode 74 We start off with Clove taking a bath. The maids are lavishing her with rose petals. I'm super jealous because this (laughs) this is my dream. Usually every year for my birthday, I get to go to the spa. And it's just this little spa that we found in California that we love. And I wasn't able to go due to the pandemic this year. And that's completely fine. It's good to take the safety precautions that we need to take. But (laughs) looking at Clove taking this bath, I was like, the spa. I miss the spa. Anyway, Clove is taking this bath, and of course the maids are gossiping. They're saying, it's been a month since the royal wedding. At last, his highness has asked to spend the evening with her. And they're talking about her, but she can hear them. Don't they know? She can hear them. (laughs) And she's blushing just thinking about it. So we flash back to a little bit before to when they ran into Cairo's mom. That's pretty much where we left off in the last podcast episode. They had their adventure, their date. They ran away. People were scared looking for them. They went to the cave. They kissed in the cave. They were interrupted by Cairo's sister. And then when they showed up at the palace, Cairo's mom looked pissed. They were definitely in trouble. So Cairo's mom basically explained that the elders are upset that they sleep in separate rooms and they're even getting pressure from the empress now because she feels like they have to appease the court. They need to look like they're making an effort in this alliance and that includes them sleeping in the same bed at night. So we end up going back to Clove in her bath and she's super, super nervous to spend the night with Cairo, even though she's done it before. And we've talked about that on the podcast as well. She has spent a night with him, but just the one. So she's nervous because this is the second time and it still feels fresh. I think it still feels new for her. And she starts thinking about what went on in that cave. And her thoughts are, all I wanted was to remain there with him. Whatever happens tonight, I just hope I don't make a fool of myself. And that's a lot of progress for someone who, when she showed up at this palace and how they first met, she was not sure about this guy at all. To go from there 
to hear where she's just like, all I wanted was to be with him and whatever happens tonight, it seems like she is prepared to take their relationship to the next level, thinking whatever happens tonight, not like nothing's going to happen tonight. <laughs> I hope he doesn't try anything. It's, it's whatever happens tonight. She just doesn't want to make a fool of herself because, you know, she feels like Cairo's probably more experienced and she doesn't want to seem foolish in bed. So Clove finally gets to the bedroom. Candles are lit. The romantic ambiance has been set. She gets to the bed and finds that Cairo's fast asleep. <laughs> the poor overworked prince. He is so sleepy. He is literally just out like a light. He's gone. He, there is no hope for them to do anything tonight. He is sleeping. And I love that she tucks him in. And I'm sure deep, 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 deep down, yes, there might be some disappointment. But lower than that, deeper than that, I think she's a little bit relieved. Like, well, don't have to worry about making a fool of myself tonight. I just think that's how Clove must have seen it. And I just, I really thought it was sweet how she pulled the blankets up over him. And she understands that he's tired because he has so many duties, you know? He has so much to do in running this palace that it makes sense why he's tired. And it was just a very sweet moment. So Clove thinks to herself, as she's laying down next to Cairo, when I'm with you, all I feel is warmth, which is like, yeah, he's the red dragon. He's the crimson dragon, <laughs> fire, warmth. But also I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely more than just that. He has been so warm to her in their relationship and all of this processing that Clove is going through right now, all of these thoughts that she's thinking, it made me wonder whether she has stronger feelings for Cairo or if Cairo has stronger feelings for her. So in a few seconds here, I am going to ask my patrons to share what they think about that. And I, I want you guys to think about it too. Who has stronger feelings for the other? In this scene, Clove kisses his cheek and she's just admiring him as he's sleeping. <laughs> this woman had a good time on their date. Cairo took her out on the town. They got a caricature of themselves. They put on masks. They were able to just like be out and about like a real couple and not have a million eyes watching them. And I think she had an excellent time. He encouraged her when she was down. And we're going to talk about that when she was down about not being able to shift. He was there for her, and that will come up again in the next couple of episodes. So as Clove drifts off into sleep, she finds herself transported to her dragon's realm. And there is her blue dragon, who seems extremely hostile still. <laughs> so now let's take a second to talk about who has stronger feelings for the other, Clove or Cairo. Here is what Patty thinks. Right now, I see Cairo as having stronger feelings than Clove. Don't get me wrong, they both definitely have feelings for each other, but I think Clove is more wrapped up in her own head. She's understandably worried about her powers and, of course, her people back home. Let's also remember that she's still getting used to royal life amongst the Crimson Clan. And whether we like to admit it or not, I don't think she's completely over Aaron. Um, they have a lot of unfinished business and they just can't seem to stay away from each other. Cairo, on the other hand, he seems to have let go of his past concerns and he just dove headfirst into his feelings. He's come a long way from their first meeting, and I think that there was part of him that had hoped it would go like this from the very beginning. Uh, Cairo is more than his tough prince exterior, but I think he also sees that strength in Clove. He treats her as his equal, as his partner. Um, he involves her in a lot of the decisions that he makes. Um, and he's seen what she's capable of, that, you know, she has a good head on her shoulders. Um, and I think that that admiration has turned into the beginnings of love, for him at least. Clove might be another story. I think she's going to take a little bit longer to come around, but she's getting there. I love how Patty mentioned that Cairo has moved on from his past, his past relationships and things like that. We've seen it. He has moved on. He's not really pining after anyone or conflicted about having feelings for anyone. He hasn't been for a long time, for many, many episodes. This man is not confused. He wants Clove. Um, and on the other hand, we do have our dear Clove, and she is kind of entangled in this thing with Aaron. I don't think she has strong feelings for Aaron, but I do I do see it. I do see what Patty's saying. It's it's funny for me, Aaron doesn't have a chance, but at the same time, 
he kind of has a little bit of a chance just knowing Clove longer. He has time on his side, and that means more experiences together. But at the same time, Cairo's like, but she's my wife. Okay, we got married, and everyone saw it. So he has that. So right now, Cairo's definitely winning that race, but Aaron is kind of in the way. And Clove hasn't fully moved on from him necessarily, because even in these episodes that we're going to talk about in this podcast, there's moments there where there's a look. She'll be looking at Aaron. I don't know if she's feeling romantic feelings for him, but she's not completely disconnected from him. And he definitely still has feelings for her. And that's a little bit of an obstacle here. But yeah, I agree that Cairo is all in. He is fully invested in this relationship right now. So that's one vote for Cairo having stronger feelings. Let's hear what Julie thinks. I think at this point, it is definitely Cairo. I think Clove is starting to fall for Cairo, or at the very least, she is beginning to realize her feelings toward him. Cairo, on the other hand, has realized his feelings regarding Clove much earlier, around the time of the assassination attempt. In episode 45, Cairo says this to Clove. I felt you slip away from me, and all I could think of was the way I had treated you. And I think that was a huge turning point for him, both in how Cairo viewed and treated Clove which may have evolved into genuine feelings towards her. For Clove, I think she's still reflecting on her feelings, which are a bit more complicated. On the one hand, she's still possibly thinking of Aaron in this awkward point they've reached in their relationship. But on the other hand, she's thinking of her attraction to Cairo and starting to think of him more as a partner than as a friend. If I were to think even deeper on it, Clove is also thinking of the not-so-pretty parts of this alliance. Clove understands the marriage was purely political, and she must have her own thoughts regarding the Crimson Clan and how the war has affected her life, especially in regards to her mother. Not to mention the whiplash she must have got in finding out the feared leader of the Crimson Army was not at all who she expected him to be. That's two votes for Cairo definitely having the stronger feelings of the two. Yeah, he, we can all see it. We can all see it. And I love that Julie mentioned that turning point where he really saw her life in danger and that just changed everything for him. It feels like he would really hesitate now to take her for granted. He sees how important she is to him. And it was a very traumatic moment that he even talks about in a few episodes when we get to that. But yeah, it, it just, it's it had its mark. It left its mark on Cairo and he hasn't been the same ever since. He's been really, really into her. He was always a little bit into her, but now post-assassination attempt, he's super into Clove. Let's hear what Phoebe has to say on who has the stronger feelings for the other. Clove and Cairo, as arranged as this marriage is, have a very layered relationship. But my straightforward answer is that Cairo has the stronger feelings in this relationship just because Clove has got too much stuff going on right now <laughs> in terms with just her personal journey with herself, unlocking the dragon power, her very different relationships with people. So right now her main focus is just to really unlock the power within her. As opposed to Cairo, I think he's more of the support role in this relationship. He's trying to help her out. He's trying to give her her space, um, just hints as to what could possibly help unlock that power within her. Through the course of their relationship though, they have definitely come a long way. Cairo is a big old meanie <laughs> to now somewhat of a decent human being at this point. But I think through their journey together from hardly knowing each other to now settling into married life, he has definitely softened his heart towards Clove and they're just enjoying the beauty of a developing relationship post-marriage. 
I love that Phoebe said Cairo was a big old meanie at the beginning. He really was. That was a mean. <laughs> he did some mean things, said some mean things. But at the same time, now he has softened his heart for Clove. I fully agree with that. So that's three for three, you guys. That's three people who agree that Cairo has stronger feelings for Clove. What do you think, listener? What do you think about that? Do you, do any of you feel like Clove might have the stronger feelings? I mean, ultimately, I think that Clove is catching up to him pretty fast. You see her looking at this man as he's asleep, admiring him. You see her kissing his cheek. You see her feeling warmth when she's near him. And that's not just the fire, honey. That's not just the candles in the room. <laughs> You're feeling warm because you like the guy. So I think she's catching up fast. But yeah, I think Cairo got there first. If it was a race for the other person's heart, <laughs> I think Cairo ran that race really fast and Clove may have been lapped a few times, but now she's catching up. She's almost on pace with him, which is really good. So let's see. My takeaway from episode 74 is I think it's safe to say that Clove is starting to fall for Cairo. She's starting to fall for him pretty hard, especially after that date, especially after what happened in the cave. They're really inching towards being a real couple, not just one that did it to end a war or to smooth out rivalries between clans. It's starting to feel real. In episode 75 of Sub-Zero, Clove faces down her own dragon in her own realm where the Azure Dragon surprises her and is extremely hostile when it sees her. So for those of you who don't know, I started reading Sub-Zero a while back, back when it was still in the Discover section, which is now known as the Canvas section, and I was so, so into it because I love dragons. I think they're so interesting. I love mermaids. I love dragons. <laughs> I love Greek mythology. I love it all. But this is one of the things that I really, really love. And so from the moment I saw the art, I was like, I'm so into this. I'm so into it. And I'm still into it so much. And I kind of started to remember something as I was taking notes for this podcast episode. And it's that I used to watch this show on PBS it was a cartoon for kids, and my mom used to run a daycare, and before I would get on the school bus, the daycare kids would watch this cartoon in the morning as they waited for my bus to arrive, and the cartoon was called Dragon Tales, and I used to really be into it, though I was probably in high school, and I was not their target demographic. I was not their target audience for that. I still, I still would watch it a bit with those kids, <laughs> and so on the show... It's a little brother and sister. They're very young and they find this dragon scale, I believe, and it takes them to the magical land where all the dragons live and some of those dragons are their friends. And that just makes me think every time Clove goes to her realm, I think of the mantra the little kids on the show would say. They would have this phrase they would have to say when they touch the dragon scale to like go to their realm. And this is what it sounded like. I wish And so sometimes when Clove is trying to figure out how to get back to the realm where her dragon is, I'm like, just say the thing. I wish, I wish with all my heart. And you'll get to go there, Clove. It's just funny. That's just a little little thing that happens in my brain when I'm reading Sub-Zero. <laughs> so she does make it there, but it's not like a cutesy PBS show. This is a real dangerous situation because the Azure Dragon says this time there will be no escape and it really wants to kill her her dragon definitely tries with all its might to kill her it immobilizes her in thick shards of ice clove is freaking out running for her life and then she sees snowdrops and that sends her spiraling down memory lane we get flashbacks of younger clove with her mother and right before the Azure Dragon kills her, Clove turns and activates 
some kind of power because she blows the dragon back so hard that it falls to the ground, to the icy ground, and is kind of knocked out for a quick second. So she has power. It came out of her. You saw the glowing around her eyes in that really interesting pattern around her eyes that happens when her powers are activated. It happened. So now it's time to have a little heart-to-heart with her dragon. They need to just sit down and talk some things out. No more violence. No more attacking each other. Let's just hash it out. So Clove ends up saying, it's not just my memories, are they? They're yours as well. They're connected. Clove also says, why would you hurt me when you know it will do no good to those we swore to protect? Because she knows she knows they should be on the same page and they're not. And I thought that was an excellent question for her to ask. Why are you trying to hurt me? Why, why is that your end goal here? And her poor dragon starts crying. And it's not the first time we've seen it cry. It cries all the time. Doesn't that break your heart for the Azure dragon? Sometimes we always are thinking about it from Clove's point of view because she's our main girl. She's our main young woman. And we really root for her. We're in her shoes a lot of the time. But this is an episode that expands the world a bit and lets us know what the Azure dragon has been thinking for a long time. I mean, it has lived for many, many generations and can still hear the echo of the screams of the vessels that came before Clove. So the world has just been a violent place, war after war, and vessel after vessel, people like Clove, Clove's ancestors have died. And each time the dragon has felt it, heard it, and it's haunting. I feel like this dragon honestly has some post-traumatic stress to figure out and to handle. So the dragon says, the emptiness I feel has driven me mad, yet I cannot remember their faces. And it makes me think that it just wants it to be over. You know, that's a little bit of the reasoning why her dragon doesn't appear and she's not able to shift. That's what I thought at that point. That's why it kept trying to kill Clove. It just wanted this to be over. I don't remember their faces, but I feel their pain. I remember their voices, but I don't, you know, I thought that was what it was. But then we get a little bit more details. Clove tries to console the dragon saying, the people of our clans wish to rebuild what was lost. I need your strength to lead them. And then the Azure dragon replies with, you think I would not leave this realm if I could? I have tried many times to no avail. This vessel was damaged long ago. And by this vessel, we mean Clove. So long ago, somehow, Clove's ability was damaged. And that is the problem. This poor dragon, <laughs> it like literally breaks my heart. This poor dragon has been trying to shift. Every time she's like, help me, I need to shift now. She was being attacked by assassins not too long ago begging for a shift. It could hear her and it couldn't do it because the vessel's been damaged for a long time. We are absolutely going to have to talk through some theories and predictions on how or what happened to Clove, what made her vessel be damaged, why can't she shift. But before that, let me finish up this episode and we'll talk about our theories at the top of episode 76. So, The Azure Dragon also says, My blood ran in the Azure progeny for centuries, but in this vessel, it has become tainted. So that's another clue for us, tainted blood. The blood of the dragon is tainted right now, obscured by something outside of my control. So something in the real world, nothing in the realm is stopping Clove from accessing her powers. It is something in the real world world where all the humans are walking around. And it just broke my heart when the Azure Dragon said that it could hear Clove's cries, but Clove couldn't hear its cries. And that just must be so lonely. The Azure Dragon also said, with time, I hoped I would grow strong enough to break free of this seal. Doesn't that sound like Clove when she was like, something's wrong with me that I am so weak and so damaged that I can't shift. I think the Azure Dragon's feeling the exact same way. Now I feel it was all in vain, it said. Now we are both trapped within the ice. And at that moment, Clove, she's like, we? 
lo and behold, behind her, the red dragon appears, yelling Clove's name. And she wakes up to Cairo, yelling her name. It is freezing, straight up frigid in the bedroom. And there's ice around the candle. And it's clear who caused it. Olala commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, LOL, Cairo woke up to ask her to turn the AC off. <laughs> that comment really made me laugh. Watermelandria High commented and said, Notice how she can easily enter that realm when she sleeps next to Cairo. I did notice. I took great notice of that because it's true. It seems like there's something, there's something there. We still have to talk about those markings on her back. We've been talking about it. We just have to figure out what, what that means. And that's going to be when Juniper tells us. But at the same time, we have theories about the markings on her back, the red now with the blue that wasn't always there before. Now it is. There's something to do with red being in her realm. She has this connection to Cairo. She has this connection to Cairo's dragon. And I'm super, super, super excited to see how that all develops. My takeaway from episode 75 is that the blue dragon is suffering just as much as Clove is. The hostility is there, but now it makes so much more sense. The desperation and the being driven mad because... The blue dragon feels so inhibited and so held back by whatever is sealing Clove. And whatever that is, it's in the outside world. It does not come from the realm. Let's discuss what we think is going on with Clove and her dragon. Why can't she shift? Here is what Phoebe thinks. My theory as to why Clove cannot access her dragon powers, and again, this is just my theory, which is based on no solid grounding, <laughs> just my understanding and reading of the comics. But the dragons seem to be very well connected with the inner workings of their hosts. They tend to feed off of the feelings and the emotions. So when Clove tries to interact with them, there are a lot of unresolved feelings and things she hasn't come to terms with regarding her past and her trauma. And so that is actually creating a blockage as to why she can't access her powers. At least that's how I feel and think that how these dragons work. There was actually an instance in the comics where, um, and I'm not really sure, I am so poop when it comes to things like this. I'm not sure what instance or chapter it comes from, but I remember Cairo kind of trying to give her advice on how to access the dragons and he was basically saying like, you know, just let it go. Just don't even think about it. And the dragons will do their thing. And she tries and does that but she's just struggling with even doing just that. So it's pretty evident that she has a lot of mental, emotional hurdles to overcome to be able to access the dragon's power. I like the theory that there is a mental block for Clove, that she just can't get past herself to be able to shift. And we know that she's deeply, deeply affected by what happened to her mom and that it's one of her biggest wounds in her life. And that could be a reason why she can't shift because she hasn't reconciled with it yet and she hasn't been able to get past it yet. The moment that Phoebe mentioned is from episode 71 and it is when Cairo says to Clove, to shift is more than a command. It means to let go of one's fears, to not let the past inhibit the present, to adapt, to change. So credit to what Phoebe is saying, Clove can't do that yet. I don't think she has been able to let go of her fears. Could we all say that she's been able to not let the past inhibit the present? No, that's not where her character is yet, but I believe that's where her character's journey is going to go. Here are Julie's predictions and theories when it comes to the reason why Clove can't really access her full powers. 
I feel there are so many possibilities regarding this, and it's possible it's a combination of many things. The Azure Dragon said something beyond its control has tainted Clove's blood, but what is it is the question. Perhaps Clove's missing father is part of it? Nothing has been said of him other than he died before Clove was born. The trauma of her mother's death could also be playing a part in it. It has also been shown there are people within the Crimson Palace working against the dragons. So it is entirely possible those factions also exist within the Azure Palace. I think at this point, there aren't enough pieces to the puzzle to pinpoint an exact answer, but it's definitely becoming more and more clear with every little bit of information we're shown. I do believe, however, it will take Clove a very long time to shift if she ever does. But I do think she'll have an easier time harnessing the other powers the dragons had. I also think that it'll take a long time for Clove to fully shift the way that you see Karis or Cairo shifting in their full glory and flying around town. I don't see that happening for Clove right now. I hope to be proven wrong. I would love for it to be like the next chapter we read, Clove is just flying around in her beautiful blue dragon and she's having a great time. But I, I have a feeling that it might take some time. However, when she does get it all, I think she will be the most powerful to have ever existed because she can do the other things like she can send ice shards out or she can freeze a room, you know, things where other dragon shifters might be limited. I feel like Clove can do it all and that's what I'm hoping for her. Let's listen to Patty's prediction and theory on what's going on with Clove's power because Patty has a specific thing that she thinks is stopping Clove right now. I honestly believe it's the tea. Have for a really long time. Um, the first time I suspected it was actually shortly after the assassination attempt on Clove. Um, if you remember, this was several episodes ago, um, but Clove had spilled her tea on the way to dinner with Cairo and she hadn't been drinking it for several weeks by the time the assassination attempt happened. And this is where we saw Clove. She nearly shifted on her own. I mean, obviously it hadn't been long enough or she would have been able to shift, but the hold was definitely weakened. But then again, this, the real question here is who's behind the T? Who would stand to gain from this? Um, and especially who would stand to gain from Clove's powers being suppressed? I think the worst part about the answer to this is that we know that it has to be somebody close to her. Uh, I think either her mother or her uncle were involved in some way, shape or form. And that leads me down a rabbit hole of who outside of the clan might be applying pressure and what do they stand to gain from it? Um, my mind goes to a certain general who has made a career out of keeping the two clans at war. Nothing would surprise me if it came to him. Yeah, the tea. Cloves tea. I feel like some of you listening might have like a mind blown moment. And then some of you listening might be like, what tea? <laughs> and then there's also people who are like, nah, it's not the tea. I'm sure we go in all sorts of different directions on this one. But it's something worth looking into. The tea. I'm so glad Patty brought it up. So let's look into it. Back in episode 19, you may remember that Cairo sent Clove a garment to wear for dinner, just the two of them for dinner, because they had had a really rocky start to their relationship, but they both want the alliance to work. And on her way over to see him while wearing this beautiful gown, Clove thinks to herself, truth be told, I feel so nervous, I can't even fathom having a meal right now. Everything is so exquisite. I can't possibly show up empty-handed, even if I can't eat. I may as well share something of mine. I've never known a person to turn down a cup of my mom's favorite tea blend. That's the tea we're talking about. And this tea kind of brings me to this poisonous snowdrop theory that I've seen some people in the comments talking about, but also I've been having my own self when I'm reading this webtoon. So I went back to 19 to share to you the appearance of the tea, the mom's tea blend, special tea blend, right? So remember that Clove was bringing it to Cairo, but she heard him having an intense conversation with Reyna 
and then Clove collapsed. As she hit the ground, so did the box carrying that tea, and it shattered. When we pick up the webtoon again in episode 21, the very first thing we see is Clove laying on the icy ground in her dragon's realm, and there are snowdrops, I believe, or flowers that look like snowdrops to me, scattered all over the ground. Am I reading too much into things here, or is there a connection there with the snowdrops and the tea? That the snowdrops from that northern region where she's from are somehow connected with that tea, that herbal tea that's her mom's favorite blend. What do you guys think? Is there something there? Is the tea really what's taking over this princess and suppressing her powers? I feel like I could dedicate an entire episode of the podcast to just asking about this tea. (laughs) I really could. And delving into every time it shows up in the webtoon. And maybe we will in a future episode. But for now, let's talk about episode 76, where we have Clove and Cairo talking. Clove says, I just remember falling asleep thinking of what you said, to look past the fangs and scales to reach into the ice. It worked. So I'm really looking forward to more training sessions, more dragon training between Kyra and Clove because it is working and when he's near her, she seems to have a lot more success with communicating with her dragon. Before she met this guy, she was never even able to communicate with her dragon and now she can. So Cairo says the ancient scrolls say that the original beasts were masters of wind and water. I always assumed such abilities were lost to time. Maybe you still have a trace of them. That's what I think too. I think it could go really far. I think she could really manipulate the elements more than any other dragon in her time. And that would be really cool. So Clove says, I just don't understand why I keep seeing that red dragon every now and then. Same, Clove. Same. I'm on the same page as you. Why is the red dragon, why is red showing up in your realm? What is going on there? (laughs) I'm not sure either, but I know it means something, and I'm just ready to find out. And so the conversation mentions the proximity. Like, every time I'm near you, Cairo, every time I'm near you, I kind of get further in my journey of trying to figure out what's going on with me. And so Cairo's like, proximity, you say? And he starts to feel a little frisky, (laughs) like he just realized what the situation is. It's like, oh yeah, we're in a bedroom together and we're spending the night together. (laughs) He's just now getting wind of what's happening. And he says, had they not been interrupted in the cave, he can't help but wonder what might have happened. So Clove asks him to remind her of where they left off. (laughs) And it looks like she's really down to continue making out with Cairo. And he's like, all right, well, I think we left off with a kiss. Like, you're going to kiss me again. And he leans in thinking that this is where this is going to go. And then she whacks him with a pillow saying, wrong, wrong. And she basically reveals, like, they're not alone. One, there are maids out here really being nosy, listening to us. And two, you fell asleep last night. That is where we left off. (laughs) I like how much Clove teases Cairo. He had a window of opportunity. He missed it. There will be more opportunities in the future. And I think that's kind of how they both feel about it. But he's a little bit annoyed. He's a little irritated. But at the same time, he was asleep when she showed up. And she was kind of ready to do some things when she showed up. And then he was asleep and that that window of opportunity passed. We cut to the Crimson Elders who are having a conversation and they're all really upset and mad about Cairo and Clove giving the dowry to the people instead of the army. They really seem to hate Clove with everything in them. They just hate her and they certainly don't trust her. They feel like she's just leading them astray. There are rumors that she's pregnant. I'm like, how? How would she be pregnant? (laughs) But they don't know that because Cairo and Clove have done actually a pretty good job of seeming in love and spending night together and people think it's a possibility. That's a good thing. But the Grand Marshal is not concerned, right? I mean, Patty was like, the Grand Marshal could definitely be someone who is suppressing Clove's powers and holding her back. I, I would not be surprised because he's super, super anti-clove and anti-chiro being happy 
He says their actions have not stopped news of the Empress's illness from reaching even the furthest corners of this kingdom, nor their enemies from rejoicing at this most convenient new opportunity. Should a new threat arise, they will have no choice but to rely on us. That's so scary. It's like he's hoping for bad things to happen to the kingdom so that the army and the military is like more efficient. And that's such a sad way to look at things, and but that's his personality and that's who he is. But it really makes you wonder if he's working with those masked men, those assassins who attacked Clove because he's hoping for them to attack again. And we see that that's right about to happen. They're going to be on the move again. So the episode ends with Clove going to visit the prisoner, that maid who betrayed her, named Faye. And she's holding Cairo's hand when she comes in. We saw it. Headband saw it. We all witnessed the hand-holding. This is a real couple. I would say that my takeaway from episode 76 is that a lot of tension is brewing from all sides in the Crimson Palace. And those who try to assassinate Clove, it seems like they're on the move again. And they have some support within the palace. episode 77 we see the crimson soldiers delivering the dowry or at least they're on their way to deliver it to the people i find it interesting that it's been forever since they've sent aid to these provinces it's clove's influence that's why this is happening that's why long neglected provinces are now going to receive some help And I should have known when the captain was talking about his sweet wife and how his in-laws bothered him that something terrible was going to happen. All he wanted to do was go home. But then you see these daggers fly through the air and stab them. It's an ambush. And we see the masked men are responsible for it. And to be honest, ambush is their style. They love having the element of surprise. And seeing them appear now in episode 77 made me want to go back a little bit in Sub-Zero history and think about the times they appeared and what we know of them. What are their motives? Who are they? Back in episode 36, one of the masked men had Clove on her knees and said, our reward is guaranteed at this point. Besides, it's not often you see a dragon scrambling in the dirt. Their kind is responsible for all the chaos brought onto this world, yet the filth continues to revere them. So these masked guys want to cleanse the world of dragons. They call dragons monsters during that whole assassination attempt. And it seems like there's some kind of propaganda where it's like everything that's wrong in the world, it's wrong because of these dragons. And that's what they believe. So whoever's heading up this masked men assassin group that person really has instilled in people's brains that you're filth you're basically sheep just following blindly if you if you revere the dragons if you find their powers impressive you're nothing but filth and that's very interesting to me because we have to start looking in this webtoon for who feels that way or who might feel that way in the palace you know in these palaces because i think there's some people who are living some kind of double agent life and secretly hate Clove and Cairo, but we don't know yet. And also, back in episode 34, that was when Faye first trapped Clove. So we know what it's like to see someone wield that double agent life where they act one way but have a secret agenda underneath, and they're right under our noses, but we don't see it coming. And Clove didn't see it coming until it was too late. You know, she didn't stop trusting Faye until it was too late. Back to the present in episode 77, the first thing Faye says is, why are you doing this? And remember, she's the one that called Clove over. The physician came to get Clove because Faye wanted to talk to her. And I think it's interesting that she's asking that because she wants to know why Clove is being kind to her, why Clove is showing her mercy when she tried to get Clove killed. And it's that the princess wants to know more about her 
But, you know, Faye says she has no family. Her village was ravaged by war, famine, and poverty. She had a hard life, and I think she suffered a lot. It's clear that that's a part of her motivation, because we've seen her talk to Clove before and mention these things. I feel like that supports my theory of there being some kind of propaganda or brainwashing from whoever leads the masked men assassins. Just something where they're saying, the reason your life is bad the reason why you're suffering is because of these dragons and their poor leadership. And to an extent, it's a little bit true. No shade on these dragons, whom I love. But it's a little bit true because the Crimson Soldiers were delivering that dowry, delivering all of that goodness to people that they haven't given any aid to in a long time, to people that desperately need it. And that hasn't happened in forever. So I can see why it would be super easy to tell people that these dragons are monsters. They only care about themselves. We just saw them arguing, the Crimson Elders arguing about the dowry being given to people who need it. <laughs> like they don't see it as a kind, benevolent act for this clan. They see it as weakness and it, sh it belongs to the army. They're very entitled in that way. So Clove says to Faye, what would you be willing to do if you could be pardoned for your crimes. And it's at that moment that Cairo steps into the conversation because he does not like that at all. He was so traumatized the night that Clove was attacked. And they have this cute, really sensitive, sweet moment with each other where Clove brushes his face with her hand gently and explains that she understands, but she needs to do this basically. And she needs Faye's help and cooperation to find out who the people in this group are. Faye isn't ready to do that. She's just not ready to be helpful because she's screaming, I won't betray my people, and that she was prepared to die. She was prepared for this to go wrong. But do you know what she wasn't prepared for? Clove's kindness and mercy, her grace, the way that she lets her live, the way that she lets her be fed and be treated by a physician in the first place, that's messing with Faye's mind right now because that goes against everything I'm sure the masked men said that dragons were and that dragons were capable of. Clove is defying all of that brainwashing that I've assumed is happening to these people. And it's working, but it's not time yet. Faye is not ready to be a triple agent <laughs> and to be like actually on the side of Clove now. But whenever they do start working together, if that ends up happening, we're going to all as an audience and Clove too included, we're going to have a hard time trusting Faye because she's so good at it. She was, she, she tricked me. She fooled me. I thought the way she was introduced was so excellent with, you know, Raina whipping her and hurting her and wounding her it made me on face side immediately then to see her just return that kindness from clove with a betrayal it was tough so if that if if they end up working together again i'm gonna keep my eyes on Faye, both my eyes open and wide looking at her so the episode ends with cairo receiving a message from the caravans that were attacked and he says oh no Aaron D. commented on this episode of the webtoon saying, I like that we can really see now Cairo showing her how much he cares. Also, look at Clove not being a doormat and showing mercy. Those are two of my favorite qualities of these characters. Cairo showing he cares because he's a little bit hot-headed. He's definitely hot-blooded, you know, so to have him remove that defense mechanism and just be open with her and tell her when you got hurt, that really scared me. That's really sweet. And then Clove, not being a doormat, she fights for what she believes in. And that's really important. She doesn't just sit there and let Cairo make all of the decisions. She lets her input be heard and known. And that's something I really like about Clove. Makia commented and said, as much as I still dislike Faye for hurting our girl, I do feel bad that her life was tragic. I feel Clove's strategy is working and her convictions have definitely been shaken, or she would have never asked to see Clove. Cairo's reaction was completely justified, though. Loved seeing Clove calm him. Yep, that's those are my thoughts to a T. I fully, 100% agree with that comment, especially the part of Faye, it's working. Clove's strategy is working, but Clove's strategy is also 
integral to who she is. That's just her. I don't, I mean, yes, she's trying to strategize and figure out how to get Faye back on her side. But at the same time, only Clove would approach it this way. I don't see Headband or Cairo or a lot of characters approaching it the way Clove would. It's unique to who she is and how she views people. She thinks they deserve second chances and that they could turn around for the better. Sabine JD commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, I just had girl worth fighting for in my head this whole episode and a Mulan Huns flashback when the ambush happened. So true. Yeah, when the guys sing girl worth fighting for and then they happen upon a tragic tragic scene from the war and it was just like the, the town that they came to was just decimated by the huns you guys remember that in mulan it, i think the song cuts off mid-song when they see it they see all of the wreckage it's really sad and that's basically what happened here those guys are ready to go home that captain's ready to see his wife the girl worth fighting for and then he's ambushed so that, that that's a good comparison sabine All right, so my takeaway from episode 77 of Sub-Zero is another attack on the dragons is definitely coming. These masked men are up to no good, and this time, I hope that Faye is on our side, on Clove and Cairo's side. Each Tuesday, I like to share a Webtoon recommendation from one of our podcast listeners. And this week's recommendation comes from Curly underscore Fry underscore 27 on Instagram. Ava said, Hi, I just listened to your latest episode and I wanted to recommend Limitus by Battistello. It's an action romance mystery and it doesn't have a lot of episodes, but it's already so good. So yeah, I checked out L-M-M-I-T-I-S. I'm just pronouncing it Limitus, but I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But it looks really cool and I subscribed so that I will be sure to check it out in the future. Thank you so much for this recommendation. If you have a webtoon that you would like to recommend, go ahead and email or Instagram or Twitter me. (laughs) You know what I mean. Slip into those DMs and let me know which webtoon you would like to recommend and why. Thank you. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here is a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to Subzero underscore webtoon underscore fan on Instagram. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Audrey. New episodes are uploaded on Tuesdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye! <laughs>